Here we go. Welcome on into our Big 12 Week 13 Recap and Reaction Show. I'm Pete Mundo. It's great to be with you as we uh, dive into the final week of the Big 12 football season. Can you believe it? Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you probably noticed a different backdrop. Like many of you, traveling for the holidays, uh, visiting family, so got to work with a different setup sometimes. But I did not want to leave you hanging on the final week of the regular season, despite the fact that I couldn't be in the home studio. So we're coming to you live here as we do on Facebook Live. We'll be up on YouTube. We'll be up, of course, on the podcast talking about week 13 in the Big 12 and, of course, what it means now uh, going forward. So let's just dive through the games. I'll, go in, I'll start with the Black Friday game and then go in order of all the action from Saturday, talking about what, of course, mattered the most, which was K-State beating KU and, of course, TCU crushing Iowa State. But first to the Friday game, let's get that out of the way. Uh, Texas kept itself alive for a Big 12 championship appearance. Of course, it didn't work out for them because K-State won on Saturday night. But for Texas, regardless of whether or not they made the Big 12 championship game, putting that aside... Eight and four in year two for Steve Sarkeesian is a heck of a lot better than seven and five. If he had gone five and seven from last year to seven and five this year, that's it's incremental improvement. When you've got what I believe to be the best running back in America and Bijan Robinson, you go five, seven, seven to five, it's not going to be great. It's just not. But now you go to eight and four, and you can say, hey, eight and four, one win away from a Big 12 title championship appearance. That's pretty darn good. That's showing the progress that Steve Sarkeesian had to show in year two in order to you know, justify, not that he was ever going to get fired, but justify staying in the job and staying on the job and having confidence going into year three. Now, on the flip side, what Baylor learned the hard way is that the Big 12 is a cliche, but it is a game of inches. The Big 12 is a conference of a play here or a play there. And that's the difference between six and six and nine and three. And, you know, last year things worked out right for Baylor. Things broke the right way for Baylor in close games, and they won the Big 12 title. This year they didn't break the right way, and they went six and six. But it's still fair to say for Baylor at six and six, even if things don't go your way, that is a huge disappointment of a season. There's just no other way to spin it. You can say, on one hand, Dave Aranda is a really good head coach and a great fit for Baylor. On the other hand, you can also say at the same time, 6-6 six and six was a major letdown for the Bears this year. So both those things can be true at the same time for the Baylor Bears. And that's the big takeaway to me from the Friday game. Of course, Texas kept itself in the hunt for the Big 12 title game, but it didn't matter because K-State beat KU. So now we have a Big 12 championship game that is K-State against uh, TCU. And clearly... Two of the teams playing the best football, not just in the Big 12, obviously, but in the country right now. I mean, that, that is clear as day. It's not even debatable. So if you go ahead to Saturday, and let's start off with, forget the 11 a.m. game. We'll get to that. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, that was a mess for a multitude of reasons. But start off with the TCU game. So TCU is going into this game 11-0. They are two wins away from being in a college football playoff. Iowa State's not going to a bowl game. This is their bowl game. They have a chance to spoil the season for the undefeated Horn Frogs. TCU will not be going to the college football playoff if they lose to Iowa State. And, and Iowa State played what I believe to be 
It's worst game under Matt Campbell in six seasons. They didn't even show up. They didn't get off the bus. Whatever you want to say, there was no Iowa State football being played. The defense was nowhere to be found, down 24 nothing after the first quarter. 62-14 to win for the TCU Horned Frogs. It was eerily reminiscent of 55-3 to back in 2014 when, of course, TCU, before the Big 12 championship game had returned, beat Iowa State. 55 to 3, and then fell from number three in the college football playoff rankings to number six. Thankfully for the Big 12, there's actually a Big 12 championship game back in the mix, so that's not going to happen this time around. But it was eerily reminiscent just in terms of how that game went. It was not close. Iowa State didn't even bother to show up. And that's what's concerning to me. Because one thing you would always say about Matt Campbell coach teams is no matter what, They played on-brand Iowa State football. That was never in doubt. Now, the results may have not always gone their way, but it was never up for debate. It was never up for discussion that Iowa State wasn't going to play hard, that Iowa State wasn't going to show up, and Iowa State was going to punch above its level, especially when they were underdogs against what was perceived to be on paper better football teams. That's not what happened on Saturday. They got run out of the building before you hit the, you know, halfway mark of the first quarter. Pick sixes, it was ugly. It was absolutely hideous for Iowa State. And I didn't see that coming. I thought Iowa State would say, you know what, this is our bowl game. This is our chance to get up and have a memorable moment in 2022. And it was a memorable it was a memorable moment. I will say that. They will never forget getting crushed by TCU 62 to 14. But it wasn't memorable for the reasons that I anticipated coming into this game. Now, for TCU, this game could not have gone better. TCU, all these lame loser excuses that people are saying about TCU. Ah, uh, you know, they're falling behind in games. They're getting lucky. This was exactly what they needed to shut those fools up. And there's a lot of them. You look at, first off, the way they won the game. They had great defense, outstanding offense, and it was an absolute blowout. And let's not forget, let's not forget, Iowa State, who will finish last place in the Big 12, beat a team in Iowa early in the season who nearly won the Big Ten West. So let's just put that out there and let's not forget that. But you look at how Saturday went for TCU. They get a blowout win. Michigan blasted Ohio State on the road, which should completely eliminate Ohio State from the playoff, but I'll get to more of that coming up later. And uh, LSU was a long shot. Some people said, what if LSU wins out? And they you know, beat A&M and then they Beat Georgia. Are they in as a two-loss SEC champion? That that conversation's over. Yes, USC beat Notre Dame. Alabama rolled Auburn. But for TCU, there is a case to now be made that it is better than Ohio State's with a loss to Kansas State on Saturday, depending, of course, on how they lose. If K-State's in the top 10 and TCU loses by a field goal, There's a case to be made that TCU's resume will be better than Ohio State's. I doubt that the committee would do that, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. That's a conversation to watch if and when it does need to happen. But overall, that conversation's allowed to happen because of how things went for uh, TCU on Saturday. Huge win, not even close. 
And uh, now you've got college game day, of course, coming to the Big 12 championship game on Saturday. So we'll dive into that as well coming up. But you could not have asked for a better game for the uh, for the TCU Horn Frogs on Saturday. Now, the other game, of course, that mattered the most was K-State and KU. And K-State got a very comfortable win, 47-27 over the Jayhawks in Manhattan. Will Howard continues to me to be the guy that gives this offense an extra layer, an extra dimension that it just doesn't have under Adrian Martinez. So I know Martinez is injured, so that makes it easier for Chris Kleiman to make this call, but I would not go back to Martinez. Even if you could, I wouldn't go back to Martinez. And the running game did what I expected it to do against a bad Kansas rush defense. They rushed for 230 yards as a team, five and a half yards per carry. I mean, they just rolled to that win on the ground. And they jumped out to the big lead. Yes, KU, to its credit, made a bit of a comeback in the second quarter. But K-State punched its ticket to a Big 12 championship. You got to give them all the credit in the world for that in terms of, uh, you know, despite having three losses, despite things looking a little bit shaky, as of a month ago, Chris Kleiman needed this. Chris Kleiman really needed this one, um, you know, this season with having his best team he's ever had in Manhattan, rebuilding it in the wake of Bill Snyder, breaking that streak of mediocrity. He's now got a chance to be a Big 12 champion come Saturday in Arlington. And after that tough loss to Texas, and, you know, at that point they had lost two or three games. They lost to TCU, they lost to Texas, and they closed the season with three straight wins, Baylor on the road, West Virginia on the road, your rival, Kansas, at home. That's a great ending to the season for K-State, who was 6-3, and three, you know, just a month ago or so. And now they're going to the Big 12 championship game, and they can spoil an incredible season for the TCU Horn Frogs and become Big 12 champs themselves. So, and, and K-State, you know, I saw the line is like two and a half, three points. K-State can very much win this game. And we'll, of course, talk more about this throughout the week, but K-State can absolutely win this game on Saturday against uh, TCU. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So congrats to K-Staters. You guys are in the Big 12 title game. You've got your best team you've had probably since the Colin Klein era, I would say. And um, you got a real shot on Saturday, no doubt about it. You know, Anyone who thinks TCU is going to roll to a victory, I don't think has been watching K-State football the last couple of weeks. Now, for the rest of these games, we'll touch on them briefly. There's two more we haven't talked about, and then I'll get back to the Big 12 championship game, college game day, and how this whole thing could play out. Let's start with West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Did Neil Brown save his job? I don't know. There was a report from ESPN that said Neil Brown is likely to stay on for 2023. At this point, I don't hate it because West Virginia has waited so long to make this move that you're going to lose your whole recruiting class if you get rid of the guy. And you don't want to, you've got a top 35 recruiting class coming in, which is good considering what West Virginia football has been the last couple of seasons. I don't want to lose that recruiting class because then you're set back another two, three years. So as much as I believe that Neil Brown through four seasons has not deserved to continue as head coach of a prominent program, you're at the point where the calendar is about to turn to December. You have an early signing period. You're going to blow up your 2023 recruiting class if you get rid of the guy. So because they waited so long, whatever that reason is, whether it's monetarily driven or something else, I would keep Neil Brown. And then if he starts off slow next season, you got to do it in Nebraska, do it with Scott Frost, and blow him out early. That's what they're going to have to do if that time does come. Now, there's reasons to believe 
if you're a West Virginia fan, that maybe the future's fairly bright. Right? I mean, you know, you look at that game yesterday, you've won two or three to close out the season, first and foremost. So you take some pride in that. Um, you may very well have your quarterback of the future, true freshman, four star prospect, Nico Marshall. So he looked really good. And then the running back duo, Jalen Anderson, who was great yesterday, he was a four star prospect, part of the 2021 class. Combine him with CJ Donaldson, who was, of course, having a great freshman season before he got injured. You got a nice one two punch. Now, how do you replace guys like Dante Stills? I understand all that, but you can make a case for optimism going into 2023 to at least going from five and seven to seven and five and building it up from there for Neil. If you're you know looking to take the optimistic approach for Neil Brown and West Virginia. So as much as I have been a proponent, I'm moving on from Neil Brown. They've waited so long. There's going to be a lot of damage if you go about doing that right now in Morgantown, which is why I can understand if you are of the opinion that let's just stay the course with this guy for one more year and then completely wipe the slate clean early in the season if it's evident 2023 is going to go the same as the last four years have gone. Now, for Oklahoma State, that thing completely collapsed down the stretch. Now, Mike Gundy's talking about injuries, and that is true. That is true. Injuries did not help anybody in Stillwater. But they lost four of their last five games, and they were really bad losses. 48-0 to K-State, 37-16 to Kansas, 28-13 to Oklahoma, 24-19 to West Virginia. Those are bad losses for a team that, as of you know, five weeks ago, was in the hunt for a Big 12 title and was ranked in the top 10 in the country. Questions have to be answered on the offensive side with the O-line and with Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator. There's just, you know, you can have all the excuses that you want about injuries, but the offense is anemic for Oklahoma State. And there's little reason to believe that things are going to get much better come next season. Like Spencer Sanders does not look like he's coming back. He could, but he's probably not. Mike Gundy talked about him last week like he was gone. So he's not coming back. So you're going to go to Garrett Rangel, who is, uh, you know, looked okay as a true freshman, but obviously has a lot of room to grow. You've got no semblance of a running game. They finally gave the ball to Ollie Gordon a little bit yesterday. Where's that been for half a season? And they can't run block to save their lives. So, I mean, all these things you're looking at and you're saying, okay, yes, Mike Gundy has made this program consistently a top 25 program in America. But the way this season ended, there should be answers for. Somebody should have to answer for that beyond just, boy, the injury bug really bit us. Because I don't think that's the telling the whole story. I know that's the story Mike Gundy wants to tell, but I don't believe that's telling the whole story. So what a disappointing way to end the season for Oklahoma State. Of course, they will go to a bowl game, but this is not what anybody thought it was going to be five weeks ago. And then last but not least, Texas Tech beating Oklahoma in overtime, 51-48. Credit to Texas Tech. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to say this. The field goal in overtime from OU looked good. I know, you know, and after the game, Brent Venable said that you can't, challenge a field goal being good in overtime. But I saw the kick. I'm at a sports bar last night, and I see the kick, and I'm like, okay, OU's up three, Tech gets the ball. 
And then they say no good. Now, I'm not saying the officials hosed them because I haven't seen every angle. I'm just telling you that at first glance, it looked good. And I'm watching that, and I'm like, okay, uh, what did I miss? But it wasn't good. And then Texas Tech kicks a field goal. Trey Wolf, 35-yarder. Tech wins 51-48. to Great way for Texas Tech to wrap up the season. All the credit in the world to Joey McGuire doing this without any offensive line this season. The guy got the Texas Tech 7-5 and with no offensive line and continually changing his quarterback. He started three quarterbacks this season and got himself the 7-5. and five. Tech may have the deepest quarterback room in the entire Big 12. So kudos to him for that. I'm not taking anything away from Texas Tech. But man, oh man, if you're an OU fan, this is why, you know, I get why a lot of OU faithful came into this game and said, I don't feel good about it. And some folks were like, it's Tech. You'll be fine. Tech got the bowl eligibility. They're going to just kind of roll to, uh, through this game on Saturday. OU, I, figure out and explain to me how these fast starts continue to happen, and then they seem to completely choke them away. 14-0 yesterday, they end up losing the Texas Tech. They give up 23 points in the second quarter, and the rest is history. Uh, technically, they gave up, if you include just the last three quarters, Oklahoma gave up 48 points in three quarters. This is after they were up 28-0 in Bedlam and then, of course, never scored after that. Something, and that's on the coaching. That's not on the players. That's on the coaching. I don't understand how that happens time and time again, but it's clearly from the top. I'm not on the anti-Brent Venables bandwagon. He's got time. He deserves time, and he's earned time to you know recruit, to get his guys in there. He walked into a pretty depleted program. We didn't talk enough about that in the offseason. And now you sit there and you say, okay, let's see what he can do. But from a pure coaching perspective, it is fair to say that this staff has let this, let this team down time and time again. With the way they started hot and then completely collapse and appear disinterested and just don't get the job done. And then they end up losing you know, a game like Saturday against Texas Tech, which they had no business losing. So it is a brutal way to end the season for Oklahoma. They're going to go to a bowl game. Venables needs to use these next two, three weeks as great learning experiences for his guys, build this program for 2023 and beyond. That's what has to happen because that was a terrible way to end the regular season for the Oklahoma Sooners. So now we've got the Big 12 championship game on Saturday. It's going to be uh, TCU and K-State and college game day is coming to town. Now think about this. We were told last week by Paul Feinbaum, if you read the website, that no one's going to watch the Big 12 championship game. Paul Feinbaum said on ESPN's first take, he said, assuming TCU continues to win in the Big 12, they have Iowa State, excuse me, they have Iowa State, and then they have, uh, after that, sorry, that was one of the ads on our website, they have Iowa State, then they have the Big 12 championship game, and he says on ESPN's first take, he goes, no one's going to watch. Well, ESPN obviously disagrees because ESPN is going to the Big 12 championship game on Saturday for college game day because they know, first off, it's the best game on paper and it means a tremendous amount. TCU wins. They're in the playoff. They don't win. They still have a path to get into the playoff, but it obviously makes it much more difficult. But it is the best game of championship weekend. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it is the best game with the highest implications of championship weekend. I don't think it's even close. I don't think it's even all that debatable. So to ESPN's credit, 
they are doing the right thing, going to the Big 12 championship game. But you look around the rest of the country, LSU, Georgia, I mean, maybe that excites you, but uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> Georgia's a 17-point favorite. Purdue, Michigan, Michigan's a 16-point favorite. Clemson, North Carolina's meaningless. Clemson's an 8-point favorite. Pac-12's on Friday night, so who cares? USC's a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Utah. So it's obvious that going to Arlington is the play for ESPN. I give them credit for doing that. It's going to be a great game. But it's just funny that they allow a guy like Paul Feinbaum to continue to trash the Big 12 when the Big 12 is in a great position, and the Big 12 is obviously in a place where it's getting the national attention that it deserves. Whatever you know, a guy like Paul Feinbaum has to say is completely irrelevant. Who cares? I mean, they are doing, uh, they're doing the right thing. It's the best game of the weekend. It has enormous implications, and neither Texas or OU is in it. All this talk about how the Big 12 is done, the Big 12 is basically a group of five school without OU in Texas. Think again. Think again. It's clearly not the case, and ESPN knows that's not the case. That's why they've re-upped their TV contract, number one, and they're going to the Big 12 title game this weekend. So you got to love everything about that. Everything about it. So for TCU, the easy play is win and they're in. And they're probably the number three seed behind Georgia and Michigan. And then the fourth seed will figure itself out. The path, there is a path for them to lose and get in, I believe. I don't think the Big 12 should be treated like a group of five where if they don't go undefeated, they're not in. This has been consistently the second best conference in America and deepest conference in America after the SEC. That's clear as day. The advanced analytics show that. They should be treated as such. I'm not guaranteeing it. Things have to break the right way, but it is a conversation that deserves and should be had based on um, just based on what kind of season TC was put together. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a hard pitch, but they should definitely be in over an Ohio State. Ohio State got run out of its own building against Michigan on Saturday. It wasn't close. We're not talking about a field goal game. They were run out of the horseshoe by Michigan. How could you put them in over a one-loss TCU team if TCU loses by a field goal at a neutral site Big 12 title game to a possibly top 10 Kansas State team? I don't think you can make that case. So that's where this week is going to be really compelling. And I please would recommend you subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to Facebook Live, Instagram. That way you're up to speed on all the content we're going to be pushing your way here this week as we get you set for Saturday. Uh, The other big news just want to touch on quickly is Luke Fickle looks like he's going to Wisconsin. This is a huge blow for the future of the Big 12. This is a huge blow for Cincinnati. Luke Fickle is an Ohio guy through and through. Most people thought Luke Fickle would only leave for Ohio State. Now he's going to go, it looks like, to Wisconsin. And if it's true that he's only going for six mil a year, that's a big loss considering Matt Rule just got nine mil a year to go to Nebraska. I know the Big Ten West is going to have more resources. The Big Ten will have more resources than the Big 12. But, man, oh, man, I didn't think I'd see this happen. And this is certainly a... uh, a big loss top to bottom for uh, the Big 12, the future Big 12, which will have Cincinnati, and obviously Cincinnati. So now we'll see if this report does come to fruition, what's next for the Bearcats. 
I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Of course, how you join us. Thanks for being here. Share the video on Facebook. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. And of course, if you're on the podcast, I got free Heartland College Sports koozies for you when you rate and review the show. And then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, a lot of you commenting. A lot of tech fans in the comments here on Facebook Live. I congrats to your Red Raiders. I got nothing to take away from them. Parker says, what happens with West Virginia? Well, as I noted earlier, I think Neil Brown at this point should stay. I, I'm not saying he did a good job, but they waited too long to fire him. You can't put together a class by firing Neil Brown and hiring a guy in the next three days. You got the early signing period coming up. He's got a good recruiting class. Bring those guys in. If it completely falls apart in next September, get rid of them early. That's what they should do. That's what should happen right now. It's going to be a great week, guys. Thank you for being here on heartlandcollegesports.com. We will talk to you soon and uh, share this show. Pass it on. We so appreciate you doing that. Have a great rest of your day. Take care.